0: A man who doesn't really have to worry about this anymore. After worrying about it for 38 years, crisscrossing the state, traveling the country, circumventing the world, uh, covering sports, but primarily focusing on things here in South Carolina in his backyard of Charleston. He stunned us. He stunned us like Eli Gold getting stunned or like Nick Saban stunned us by announcing this week he is stepping down, leaving, departing. As the uh, sports columnist for the Charleston Post and Courier, ladies and gentlemen, royalty in the media of South Carolina, we welcome Gene Sapikoff to Sports Talk with a heavy heart. Though you're not dead, that's the good thing. With a heavy heart, Gino, we welcome you. How are you?
1: Thanks for that build-up, Phil. I'll, uh, the check is in the mail. <laughs> wow, that was pretty outstanding, and especially coming from you, who I hope, respect for for so many years I mean I think that it's interesting I think I told a lot of people this only you and Pete Acabelli and me really like devote splitting our time between Clemson and South Carolina and it's kind of a unique little fraternity that we've had for a long time there and uh what a blast it's been
0: absolutely man we admire you for what you've done and the way you write and the stories you tell and never backing up you know, I hope that uh, young journalists learn from people like you. You don't back up; you take a step forward. So, why now for you? I mean, to me, you're still a young guy. You still got a lot of uh, a lot of vinegar in you to to spit out there. Uh, why the decision to leave your job with the Post and Courier after 38 years now?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, Phil, I've been thinking about this for a while, maybe even since like October, seriously, and, you know, wasn't sure if I was going to maybe go uh, another football season or even a little longer, but I just think this is the right time. And uh, I think it's good for the Post and Courier, too, to have like some, fresh voices. I th- I think we have an excellent staff with David Kloniger, Jeff Blau, our great uh, jo- John Blau covering Clemson, and our great sports editor, Jeff Hartzell there, plus Andrew Miller and David Shelton. But um, I-, I just think um, also for me, I, I still want to explore some other things. I have a few options out there. Uh, I also want to do uh, more service projects. I spent the entire month of January in Israel doing a service project and while I was just walking around over there thinking well there's nothing quite like spending a month in Israel I would like to spend more time doing some service projects that maybe a nine-to-five job wouldn't necessarily allow.
0: Yeah I read your stuff that you wrote from Israel you were kind of uh helping to help the fighters you were there helping with the supply people and doing whatever you could and you talked about the missiles going overhead and the planes flying overhead, a unbelievable experience that you can only imagine what it's like by being there and seeing it all. And so was that kind of the final straw for you in your in, in your thinking at that time after going through that and experiencing that? Was that sort of what pushed you over the edge? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I haven't really,
1: you know, exactly processed at all. It was a factor in just making me think I want to do more – uh, service project type things um, in low country, in South Carolina, maybe Georgia, North Carolina, things like that. Just really look around and, and maybe some stuff abroad if if I can afford it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there were a lot of things that came together. And I'll tell you, just a perfect symmetry for me, Phil, a real quick story of a column I had in the Post and Courier and it's on our website mm-hmm. is Uh, I'm in Israel and I would only get the news on the weekend because on IDF basis we really didn't get a lot of internet, weren't supposed to be texting and tweeting for good reasons. But um, I I saw saw Shane Beamer has hired Joe D. Camillus as a special teams coach. Joe D. father, Tony D. Camillus, was my career development teacher, Phil, in middle school in Denver, Colorado. And for my project, uh, I was lost at the time in ninth grade. No idea what I wanted to do. But he came up to me, Tony DiCamillis, Joe's dad, and said, Gene, you like sports. You like writing. Why don't you look into a career as a sports writer? And that could be your class project. So I call a young Denver columnist named Woodrow Page, Woody Page. He's on ESPN all the time now. And, um, you know, he helped me along, and and here I am on the Phil Cornblut show, Ooh. and Joe D. Cornelis is Shane Beamer's special teams coach. So what do you think of
0: that? I read that column. I was amazed by it. I mean, I'm like, what a small world, you know? Uh, and you're leaving having a great source over there at South Carolina, so you're leaving that uh, opportunity behind you. Are you thinking about writing a book?
1: Uh, I am thinking about writing a book, and some other people have asked me about this, but it's not going to be about sports. It's probably going to be a a Christian-related book. I think it's a really good idea, and that's why I'm not really talking about it Mm because I've talked to a publisher and so forth, and I I just don't want anybody to steal it from me, (laughs) frankly. Um, So anyway, yeah, Yeah. that's the kind of book I would write.
0: I understand. Visiting with Gene Sapa, Have you officially left? The paper, walked out the door, cleaned out your desk and all that?
1: Uh, I'm not officially left until the end of next week, March 1st. But um, I'll tell you one thing I just want to say real quickly because you are the recruiting guru of the entire South, as far as I know. Um, My writing, like, was okay. But, Phil, I was a really good recruiter. I cold-called recruited eight Beat writers for the Post and Courier. They they did not apply for the jobs. Travis Haney, Travis Sachik, Grace Rayner, Aaron Brenner, Josh Needleman, John Blau, Daryl Slater, and Ryan Wood did not apply for the jobs that we got co- that we had them covering the Gamecocks and Clemson. I recruited them, got the Post and Courier to hire them, and they all just did award-winning work for the Post and Courier, and that's. Honestly, my favorite thing that I've ever done at the
0: Boston Courier. Well, you did a hell of a job with that because those were all terrific writers. Which brings me to my next question related to the business. We all know what the newspaper business is going through. The state newspapers about to cut it down to three days a week. The uh, Sumter papers cutting it down to two days a week. Everywhere across America you're seeing that. Yet the Post and Courier continues, I'm going to say thrive. I don't know if that's the correct word. You can tell me if it is or not. But it continues to to thrive, in my eyes, with coverage around the state and publishing a newspaper, along with what you guys do on the web every day as well. Why has the Post and Courier been able to rise above
1: Yeah, well, again, I'm not going to talk about the Post and Courier without saying how great John Blau is at covering Clemson and David Kloniger is at covering the Gamecocks. But it's simply this. We're a family-owned newspaper. The Manigault family wants to try to be – Uh, really good statewide. So we have bureaus now in Columbia, and I mean staffed bureaus in Columbia, Greenville, Myrtle Beach, North Augusta, Rock Hill, and uh, Hilton Head, all Mm. over the place. And they're just really trying to uh, take advantage of some of the weaknesses that you mentioned. Like, I'm just going to say, Myrtle Beach uh, isn't what it once was, newspaper-wise, and neither is Sumter and some of these other places. And so we're trying to kind of fill the gap. But we can do that because we're not taking orders from, you know, Rochester or Sacramento or someplace like unfortunately some of these other entities are. We're a family-owned newspaper that can kind of try to navigate th- themselves. And uh, it's 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 been a cool and exciting thing. But having said all that, uh, there's a lot of really good uh, reporting and writers all over, especially Dwayne McLemore, the job he does hiring people at the state, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Keeper and company at the Greenville News. You know that. I mean, the, the consumers of journalism with people like John Whittle and Larry Williams out there doing great work on the fan sites. I mean, if I was a fan, I mean, this is a great time to be a Gamecock uh, or Tiger fan with all the great reporting on all the different kinds of media out there.
0: Yeah. Is it kind of tough, though, as an, I guess I can call you an old-school newspaper guy, you know, a shoe to the, to the cement and walking the beat and doing all that and trying to remain neutral, trying to be the true journalist who you don't have a dog in the fight. You don't care who wins a game. You're just writing the story, putting out the facts, the details, and the behind-the-scenes stuff, which is how everybody in the newspaper business grew up. Yet the fan sites – They write in a different way. They kind of write to a different audience, and they're thriving doing so. Any kind of a rub for you from that standpoint?
1: Well, not really, and I'll tell you a little secret. You know, if we're writing a so-called negative story about Clemson, uh, Gamecock fans will read that. And if we're writing a so-called negative story about the Gamecocks, Tiger fans tend to be interested in that. Yeah. So for, for, a and you, I think you have the same thing and Jacobelli, you and me, and you know, some of the television people, frankly, uh, in the same way uh, you can get readership and eyes on what you're doing by being objective, just as well as, being you know, a fan site person. And by the way, I, I mean, I think, again, I'm citing John Whittle and Larry Williams as standouts, but I could name ten other people in the state. Sure. And I'm, Hale, Hale McGranahan and David Hood and people like that are, are just really, really good at what they do. It's just different than what I do.
0: Absolutely. Visiting with Gene Sapokoff here, leaving the uh, the Post and Courier, will you write a final column?
1: Uh. That's kind of to be seen. I
0: think the post Courier is going to
1: have something with some quotes from me. I'm not sure if it's a final column, but if people have been paying attention, and I don't expect that they have, I've written some kind of farewell-type pieces here over the last few months yeah. seeing this coming. So um, if you just went through my column file at postincurator.com, you'd see some things that uh, would, would kind of be final-type stuff.
0: So when you reflect on 38 years, and that's a hard thing to do here in a short a, a period of time, but I know as you're interviewed by people, you're going to be asked this question, and that is, you know, like a favorite memory because, uh, I mean, you've been around all the top people in sports in this state, uh, from John McKissick down there to Danny Ford to Dabo to Beamer to to Spurrier, et cetera, and, and the basketballs and the baseballers and everybody. I'm not going to sit here and throw out the entire list to you, and, and not going to try to throw out all the different events that you've covered hundreds, uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of course. But with all that being said, you know, does one individual stand out to you from the standpoint of just your enjoyment in covering that person or the story you wrote or the stories you wrote, any one stand out to you?
1: Uh, well, just to add to some of those names, uh, Don Staley, John Cress, Ray Tanner, mm. but I'll tell you what, it's the story of the underdogs rather than the story of the great champions. And I might have to say that the Cannon Street YMCA 1955 team that you know, all the white teams in the state refused to play, and I wrote that story for Sports Illustrated. It's still on there. SI Vault, you know, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful story. I love that. And then Mike Beck and his late daughter Rebecca, who died of a rare brain disease, um, wrote several stories about that. It's now a really cool Netflix documentary um, on Rebecca Beck and and Mike Beck. So I'd say those are probably my two favorite stories of of just kind of underdogs and unknown things. At least when I first started writing about them. Um, but wow, you and me and all the other Carolina since about two thousand. 14, 15, 2000, when when the Gamecocks started, you know, winning in College World Series and Staley came, Spurrier, Dabo. I mean, what a run there was there through that stretch. Obviously, Frank Martin, you know, Mm I mean, we've just been really fortunate for all
0: the excitement. No question. They have made our lives uh, from a professional standpoint very interesting. Man, can't thank you enough for taking some time out uh, to spend it here with us on Sports Talk. Wish you the very best. Uh, I know we'll hear from you, see you from time to time, but uh, our door and our phone lines always open for you. Anytime you want to come on board and talk some sports, we're here for you.
1: Thanks for all you've done for me over the years, Phil. I really appreciate it.
0: You too, my friend. Take care.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you. All right, Gene Sapikoff, man, I tell you, he's the last – at, you know, right now, unless something changes somewhere down the road, he is—he's the last of the icons of the columnist, sports columnist here in South Carolina. I mean, going back to my my beginning days, you know, people talk about Herman Helms. He—he he was earlier than me, of course. He goes back to the to the '60s, so I kind of grew up with Herman Helms. But in terms of, from a professional standpoint, who I got to rub shoulders with like a Dan Foster, for example, um, that was big for me to know him because I worked in the upstate, to talk to him, to get his thoughts, to ask him about why he wrote something. I love talking to that man, Dan Foster, because he would tell you bluntly why he wrote something. He had no fear. And, you know, Ron Morris here in Columbia is controversial, as he was made to be for the newspaper. I say made to be. Maybe he wanted to be that way. But he wrote things that you wanted to read, whether you liked them or not, insightful and entertaining and, um, you know, gave you something to think about. That's what these guys are supposed to do. And, and Gene was the same way during his many years there in Charleston. Of course, he followed one of the all-time greats in Kim Berger, you know, Everybody loved Ken Berger's columns. Oh, so well thought out, so well prepared, so well presented. Awesome, awesome people, eh? They're all missed. But I'm glad Gene is still with us and going to be doing some other great things. Okay. Thanks to uh, Gene for being with us.